You're listening to Big Cast, your source for financial technology innovation, with John Best. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another exciting edition of the Big Cast. My name is John Best, and now that we live in a post-Dorian world, uh, things seem to be a bit better on the East Coast. So we again apologize for the late release of the previous podcast, but we're back in business and super excited to be here. Um, I am the author of Breaking Digital Gridlock. I'm also the CEO of Best Innovation Group, a frequent speaker at fintechs and a frequent guest on uh, Breaking Banks with Brett King. And with me today is my interview partner, uh, one of my close friends and one of the smartest people I know, Glenn Savardi. Hey, Glenn. Yeah, thank you. Hi, John. Welcome. And, and you're out in Georgia, so you survived. Uh, we, are, we are just far enough inland. Yeah, we actually, it's been like 97, 98 degrees yeah. here. We've had none of the, none of the rain so they far. They probably just pushed the mugginess in. That's how I remember it. Oh, yeah, we had plenty. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I match your uh, introduction, but uh, I, I guess I'm somebody that thinks way too much about payments. I actually had a fintech dream the other night, which was kind of That's not creepy. good. Yeah, you, you no. take some time off. <laughs> and speaking of fintechs and incredible talent, we have with us the CEO of Partners Credit Union, uh, also uh, an author, uh, a podcaster, and I'm proud to say a, a good friend, John Janklius. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How are you? It's good to kind of get the band back together for yeah. for this show. You guys you guys are like my brothers from another mother, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think we're covering the whole coast, right? You're in California right now, right, John? That's right. And, and yeah. I, I've got a fire five miles oh from goodness. here. Oh, goodness. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. that is we're, so we're good, though. We're okay. good. We're good. Yeah. Because you've got a lot of land and a lot of horses, and that's uh, that's always scary. And then we got we got the East Coast covered with Glenn, and, and I'm right here in the smack in the center here in Colorado. So, well, well, let's get to it, John. So we're excited to have you today. And the last we checked in with you, you were really heavily working on the digital transformation. Um, it, it, you actually had done a documentary, which I actually included. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, John, when I sent you the, the link to the site for the, for my, uh, my breaking digital gridlock Academy video series that actually included your documentary on, on two of the lessons. Cause I thought it was so valuable. Um, but you were right in the midst of this digital transformation with what is arguably one of the most forward thinking prestigious credit unions in the sense of you know, partners, which is Disney's credit union. If you think technology, if you think innovation, you're, if you don't have Disney in your mind or Walt Disney, it's, you know, you're, you're probably not living here in the United States. But so here we are. It's been about a year and a half, uh, maybe a little less. Where are you at? How's it going? Yeah, John. Well, thanks for remembering that. And yeah, for sure. So Disney sets the bar as far as our members' expectations with companies like, you know, Pixar and Lucas and, you know, technology is a big driver. And so when they see it in their day job, you know, for them, it's 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 normal. And they expect the credit union to have a level of service that includes a digital offering. And it was about your remembering right 18 months ago that we took a step back and saying, you know, we're good, but we're not good enough. And we need to rethink people, process and technology and come at this again. And so we did. We partnered with somebody who we consider a digital master in Coney and then a good advisor in the Boston Consulting Group. And we sat down and said, boy, you know, how do we need to get after this? So um, we started with one agile team. We're up to six now. And we're beginning to see the benefits of the investment in people, process, and technology. And uh, matter of fact, last, uh, let's see, two weeks ago, we just launched a whole new version of our mobile app. 
Um, and we're really proud of it, John and Glenn. It, it, it's, it's really something else. Our app store rating with Apple before was 2.3. And at launch, we're at 4.3. And it's starting wow. to increase in popularity uh, with, every, uh, with every day. So we're really proud of it. It's got some really cool features in it. But right behind that are coming some other digital efforts. And if you remember when we started back, we said not only do we want to present more modern technologies to our members, we wanted to do it at a cadence of 2x, then 3x, then 4x. And what that meant was rather than the waterfall approach that we used to do once a year, that would be you know, 1x, 2x would be, hey, twice a year, and then we want to go quarterly, and then we want to go monthly. So um, at 18 months, we're at 2x, and I think in the next quarter, we'll be at 3x. And then we'll see if in 2020, you know, we can we can move up to, you know, major monthly releases of, uh, you know, digital offerings that our members are going to really love. So um, yeah, we're, we're after it. We've learned a ton, just learned I'm- a ton. I'm curious how you you mentioned how do you incorporate in the uh, the voice of the customer on this and I'm guessing part of it is just you know you know what your old app store rating was so I don't know if you had enough feedback from that to say okay here's what we have to fix or did you go out and do a specific uh, poll or uh, focus groups or whatever how did you figure out exactly where you were falling short and what gaps you needed to fill Yeah so Glenn a um, c- couple things so certainly we can look at the app store Certainly, we do focus groups with tech-savvy members, but we also have an in-app survey where folks can give us our net promoter scores and then also give us feedback. The team monitors that and is looking for the feedback from our members about, hey, this doesn't work so good or this is kind of clunky or next time, could you put this in for us? Or, you know, I'm a Droid user. I have a special need. Can you help me with something? And so we're listening all the time. The tool we use inside of the app is a a company called Medallia. Uh, Coincidentally, it's who Disney uses for their um, their, their satisfaction surveys and scoring too. So we've got a couple different vantage points to think about how we're doing. One of the things that uh, I'm interested in, you know, that you mentioned earlier is this idea of multiple groups doing agile. Most organizations that I know are really just starting to get the first agile group in place. Can you speak to a little to that on, on what these groups are and, and how you tier them, what their work streams are and, and the benefits slash throughput that you're seeing from it? Sure. Um, so let's see, backing all the way up to wanting to get from waterfall to agile methodology, we put together a cross-functional team and said, let's just do one project differently together. And we actually went through training uh, management and staff in this one team and to see the benefits of working in agile and see how we could do it here at Partners. At that same time, we had Coney come in too, our partner, and their team actually went through agile and because John and Glenn, you probably know people say Agile, but there could be a lot of different flavors of Agile. Yep. Yep. And if we were going to move together, we wanted to make sure that um, we were all talking the same Agile, using the same kind of methodology, lexicon, process, all those kinds of things. So that's what we did. We started with one. And then when we felt that we had it underneath our belt, we looked at the backlog of all of our other work and said, you know what? That we could benefit by having more. And so we've gone from one now up to six teams that are, are moving the you know, the strategic portfolio of work that we want to do. And in most of those cases, has it been a matter of retraining and just giving a new uh, frame of reference to your existing staff? Or did you bring in people who were skilled and experienced in the agile approach and seeded the teams with them? You know, to our team's credit, we seeded most of these teams with our folks. 
Um, and then we've, we have brought in one or two other people to complement the teams. And it was based on what the team needed, Glenn. You know, we have one team that's called Lending and Payments, another one Mobile, another one Infrastructure, and so on. So um, as we put the teams together, we step back and look at, you know, the work you need and how many folks do you need. Each team has about eight to 10 people on it. And um, so we built them one by one to manage the systems um, that they're responsible for. So and, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, is that at the end of the day, when you put all these people and add them all up, is it roughly the same number that you had before? Or is it a significant change in the, the number pointed at these uh, projects? Uh, you know, it's a net add, but some of the people on the teams are from the business side. So the net add is probably, I don't know, six, seven additional okay. people. Not a lot. Put in. Yeah. Yeah not, a yeah, not a lot. Yeah. So did you find as you were doing this, John, that did you discover little internal silos inside your organization with technical debt where, you know, what I found over the over the, the years is due to just uh, self-defense, you find departments like lending or even the good examples, the call center, if they have call center software, who at some point have uh, acquired uh an analyst or a developer or combo of both, or maybe just somebody figured it out and they started building things. Um, as you go through and, and, and start to put these things in place, are, are you seeing that sort of, uh, that sort of effect where you have to go and break these little areas apart? Well, two thoughts. One, bingo. And two, have you been walking the halls of partners? <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. For the reasons that you, you stated, John, absolutely. And it wasn't until we said, you know, all the system improvements, the care and feeding and the transformational work that we want to do with our, our systems to drive the digital transformation, until we pulled it all in through these teams, did we begin to see, oh, my God, look at the backlog. And 70% of the capacity of these teams is just running the business or the care and feeding of these systems. It's the first time in my 15 years of being at the credit union, I think we've ever really seen the amount of technical debt that we actually had. And that's good. I mean, you want to see things the way they really are. And so by seeing that, it was like, okay, okay, now we know what capacity is left to really get to 2X and 3X and 4X, you know. So um, that, that was a real big step. And I'm spot on. That was, that was something that we learned, one of the biggest learnings, one of the first learnings. Yeah, I think in the you, process, have you managed to knock down that 70% or is that the next uh, stage of the uh, exercise? Well, that's on average, Glenn, across the, the six teams, and each one may be at a different state, but it's a significant amount of work that they do. 50 to 70% of our capacity is, is based on doing the things that you'd want, right? Yeah. The break, break fix work, maintaining the work, um, refactoring work on systems of work that's already been done to make it more efficient, um, you know, just, just a number of things and, 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 and improving that. So we should see that the amount of story points or the amount of capacity that we're using in any one sprint comes down and it's more transformational work or, you know, improvements and enhancements. Yeah. So, so John, one of the things you were doing as you were moving along with this, which I think is such an incredible thing to do and such a Disney thing to do. I'm just surprised it's, it's a documentary and not a full on CGI movie, but um, <laughs> you've been, you know, you've been working through sort of documenting this process. Um, and, and I, I think I suspect it has kind of, multi-purpose uh but so we i think we've seen the 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 first few drop um i actually have links to them and we'll put more links but i understand that you're kind of heading into yet another round of that is that correct as you're on this journey yeah john and so uh, thanks for remembering so this is uh, we just filmed and are ready to release the third of the five-part series so about every six months we chronicle our journey lessons learned and what's happened and 
in a, a couple things. You know, I actually learned this in graduate school from my mentor, Peter Drucker. He said, if you want to learn something really well, learn it as though you have to teach it. And so this is kind of our version of saying you're accountable. You have to show up. You have to explain what you learned, the thorny mistakes that you've made. Um, and so I kind of like that enduring um, yeah. kind of accountability. Yeah. I see it as that twofold, but I have to know, does Aaron survive the alligators and will he get married? I, you know, it's been a cliffhanger. So <laughs> just, I just want to know. And speaking of Aaron, I just saw him with the biggest smile. Aaron, uh, for those of you who are listening, Aaron is, Aaron Friedman is uh, just an incredible resource and uh, IT person over at Partners who's also a friend. Uh, I just saw him. I, I think that's the only time I've ever seen him really smile. I wasn't sure he could. I think I have one picture of me and him at Disney smiling, but other than that, uh, uh, he was he was grinning ear to ear. We were in Austin at a conference, and the, his group won an award. I was so happy for him to get the acknowledgement, and it was really for the mobile uh, transformation and the culture transformation. What we just talked about the agile teams in order to get going faster, and for the team to get some credit and some love for that, um, it was really good. Yeah, it was, so, it, was, it was a good day. Yeah. So, so I have a question about that. I bet Glenn was going to ask this question. Um, so, also a big announcement while you were there, and you know, whenever you hear these kind of acquisitions, and so the announcement was that um, you know, Coney and Temenos. Uh, I'm not sure which way it's going, but I know that I believe Temenos acquired Coney, or at least acquired a portion of it. And so, how do you feel about that? Like, I get a lot of credence that. Um, if, for instance, their product is acquired by Fiserv or somebody, they're very concerned about it. Um, what What are your thoughts after attending that and, and seeing what was going on? Well, a couple things. So I think it is normal whenever your technology partner gets acquired. And so Timonos did acquire uh, Kony that there could be some concern. Concern can come from, is the thought leadership going to stay? Is the R&D effort going to stay up at the, con at the continuous level that Coney had been doing? Um, you know, any number of things that could change their trajectory or their roadmap or their focus. Um, it was really cool at this conference. Um, the CEO from Timonos was there, Max Sherrard, as well as um, Tom. And they devoted a good hour talking about why Timonos acquired uh, Coney, how that fits within their portfolio of companies that they have, their focus on banking, focus on the Americas. Um, I, I, I think the Coney acquisition was $600 million, um, and Timonos has poured in over a billion dollars in acquisitions in order to get going, so they're serious. Um, I think another statement that was encouraging for me is that the CEO said, I'm going to be here every month, and if I need to be here more, I will. This is a priority for me. Here. So... Yeah, a lot of times when you make an acquisition, it's just, you know, it's it's a purchase and they're not interested in it or they're, you know, going to take some value out of the company to make earnings from it or milk it. And that's not the intention that was talked about. But again, you know, a presence and being there for that meeting in front of all the, you know, constituents and, and then coming here on a regular basis. Those are all, that all. Well, and that really fits well. in with what you're doing with Jay uh, and their group as well. So, you know, your lending product is in that space. And, you know, I actually, uh, I've been to a couple of their conferences. Uh, you know, Brett, Brett spoke at one. I think I spoke at one as well. And, and what I've seen yeah. from them is that uh, one, I, I think of value, and I know you mentioned it, but personally, I think of value is uh, the, the path that Europe is on in relation to privacy around GDPR or general data privacy regulation and PSD2, which is the payments uh, services definition or sort of directory, that's it too, 
which is really kind of a uh, a, a uh, simile for uh, open banking, that may give you some options a little more early in the space because I think a lot of those are going to be making their way to the United States. Did you see that as any kind of comfort or any kind of opportunity? Oh, John, I do. Yeah, I, I can get pretty excited about the possibilities. So, yeah, I'm. You know, one of the reasons we selected Coney, and so this is also true of Timinos, um, global player, also in a couple different industries. So you're solving customer journey problems somewhere else in the world under different regulatory, although regulatory frameworks, and you're learning. That's all things that I'm excited about. You know, the ones that you just mentioned, like PSD2. So I, I think that bodes really well. The other thing is when you step back and take a look at, so you've got Timinos, you've got Accelerant, you've got Avoca, which is a great brand. You've got Coney all under one umbrella. So as a leader, if I sit down with them and talk about my roadmap, we're all looking for kind of some kind of simplification, um, consolidation of all these partnerships that we're managing. I think there's some possibilities there. There's a lot of work to make that happen, but that's something that I can get excited about for us. Yeah. I'm curious, John mentioned, this is a little bit off topic, but John, you mentioned GDPR, and given that we've now got CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act, and given where you're sitting, John, out in California, any thoughts? Have you started to kind of give that any extra, you know, is it causing you to lose sleep? I'm thinking, again, you get a head start with somebody who's had to deal with GDPR before. You know, Glenn, um, I'm not up to speed that much on it. I I know it's coming. I know it's coming for us, um, but... um, yeah, our, our hands yeah, are not always actively in that, you know, This kind of stuff happens first in California, and given the critical mass, I mean, it's likely going to be a bellwether for the rest of the country as well. So, And from what I can tell, it's a pretty darn close cousin to GDPR, too. So hopefully we get some carve-outs along the way. I know the California Credit Union League has been looking very closely at that. So, Diana. Yeah. Diana is super Yeah, you never have that. to worry yep. about it. That's why he didn't even, doesn't have to know about it, because he knows Diana will show up on his door and, and knock it down if she needs to <laughs> to get his attention. So... That's uh, the beauty of having her in your corner out there. She's amazing. Um, So real quickly, uh, John, I'm going to change gears because you, sir, are a renaissance man. And uh, with that in mind, I want to talk about uh, one of the things. So we're we're, we're fellow podcasters. And one of the passions you've always had is uh, working with horses, uh, those sorts of things. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing in that space? Because it's really more leadership is fascinating to me what you were working on there. Oh, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, so I've been able to uh, bridge my passion for leadership and equestrian sports somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I have a I have a dear friend who helps us with our young horses and breaking and training him. His name is Lynn Clark. He's a fifth generation horseman, and we sit and talk an well, awful lot. Was he like the stuntman the for some of these, these? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was the stuntman for the Lone Ranger. He was a stuntman for Arnie oh, wow. Hammond. Uh, in riding the white horse off the train oh, and doing wow. all of that. So he works, he, he's kind of like the trainer's trainer. And we get to talking about, you know, how is it, Lynn, that you can get something that's bigger, more strong, powerful than you, um, you know, join up with you. And it's a metaphor for leadership. So we actually created a leadership program and uh, we ran our first kind of trial experience. It's a powerful experience. It takes place on the ground with horses. And uh, we make the connections for you about leadership and uh, equestrian sports. And it's just one more way of coming at leadership. And, and frankly, one more way for me to be around <laughs> horses more. So um, uh, it's great. Yeah, so we had cool. a lot and of you have a podcast it. for that, right? So the, the, you know, your first one out. Yeah. So, yeah, what's yeah. the name of it? How can I find it yeah. if, I, if I'm looking? Yeah, it's, it's on C-Suite Interviews, which is at the CEO okay. Corner. 
And, uh, and yeah, it's out there now if, if folks want to, you know, download and listen to it. We talk a little bit about, you know, Lynn's background and our journey together and what we learned uh, doing the first program. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at one of my favorite Christmas gifts ever. I, I am constantly playing with this. Uh, John sent me uh, a knife that was made out of an old horseshoe. It's gorgeous. Everybody who comes in comments on it. Um, and it's, but it's kind of one so, of my toys. Yeah, John- I'm constantly playing with it just because I like it. Yeah, well, it opens up all those new boxes coming from Amazon with technology <laughs> in it, I guess. Hey, by the way, Lynn is the one who did that. He's also oh, an wow. artisan. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah, so he, he I'll take a picture of it yeah. and send it to you, Glenn, so we can get it on the on the show site. So so the next question yeah. I have, okay, so I have your first book, which I loved. Uh, it was a fantastic book and, and something that we talked about, Doing What Matters, How Leaders Help Individuals and Organizations Thrive. And now, here we are, we've got the second one. Uh, that has just recently come out, I think last month, if I remember right, and you, you partnered with someone's Constellations, the playbook for improving performance. Another leadership book, not surprising. Uh, first, I thought you were working on the new home banking with uh, the guys from Coastal, but uh, now I see you know, how this is put together, more of a strategic approach with goals and a plan to sort of hit, hit those goals. Uh, but talk about that a little bit. I just thought it was, it's, it's exciting. Oh, yeah. So another passion project. So um, the first book I wrote, as you mentioned, was a business fable. And it talked about what would the CEO be doing? What would the struggling executive be doing? How would everybody rally around them? What happens at home even? you know? So it was a fable. But there were some concepts in there that when I do some speaking or talk about the book, folks said, you know, could you talk a little bit more about how you do what you talk about in the book? And so this is actually a monograph. It's like a 90-page booklet or guide that walks you through the concepts of putting together four or five disciplines or principles that you can use to get you from point A to point B. It comes with a playbook. Um, God, John, I've been working on my playbook for almost 30 years now. It's got 22 tabs in it. But this playbook, you can download at the CEO Corner, and it's got five tabs that I think are the most foundational. For example, one is your goals and objectives. The other one is your training plan. What do you need to learn in order to get your goals? Another one is partnerships. Who are the people that you're going to partner with to get to where you want to go? And so um, you can go to the CEO corner, download the playbook, and then I have an audio. I walk you through tab by tab how to set it up. And you're off and running. Yeah, I actually have have the Kindle one, but I find with your books, I actually like to put little sticky tabs and things in them. And so, but uh, we'll make sure there's a link to that book. Uh, out there and uh, you know definitely uh, very exciting if you're in leadership or aspire to be a leadership and especially in the gradient space but in any business uh, it's I, I think it'd be a huge help so well, you know you let's, let's, to, John we should talk about your project because it's really cool um, I went onto your website from um, breaking digital mm-hmm. gridlock and you've got training courses now, and so I'm schooling myself. I'm going through I saw your you tutorial. signed up yesterday. That's very cool. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited about yeah. it, and I was inspired by you uh, and your CEO corner. So after I wrote Breaking Digital Gridlock, I thought, you know, I could probably expand on this a little, and a lot of people, including me, learn better from uh, video series. So uh, I spent about, God, almost eight months filming. Uh, I think there's seven hours of courses. Uh, and you can get it kind of all together as one thing, or you could break it apart, or you can get it for your whole institution. But uh, and again, I was inspired by you, and it's really kind of just more of the same detail. And uh, it, it's not a it's not a why you should go digital. It's as much as how I how to go digital as I can give you. 
uh, in the video course. Oh, John, yeah, I went through uh, the first tutorial and kudos. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, it's not convincing you. Do you need to do digital? It's how do you do digital, right? You're actually saying these are the insights. These are the thorny problems you're going to run to. Here's how you need to think about it. Um, well, thank you. Well done. Thank you for that. I yeah, really, really appreciate nice. that. Yeah. So, hey, Glenn. Yeah. Did you see? Uh, yeah. Okay. So for this last one, I'm going to mark this space. I'll have Ryan. I just don't want to be. I, I know John so well. I enjoy talking to him. I've been monopolizing this conversation yeah. and not letting yeah, him okay. speak as much. But I'd like to end this with this. Um, I'd like to ask you, John, the top, and give you just a second to think about it. But what are the things that are keeping you up at night as a credit union CEO? And I'm sure you've got the, at least a few. It doesn't have to be a million. But I'd like Glenn to ask the question and then you answer. I was also sure. gonna, before I was going to ask you. Maybe he can edit out when we when we stepped on each other. Have you used any of your you know your your passion for horses? Have have they shown up in any either of the books yet? Or is no, that he's got one three? in his office. I think it's a little weird. Yeah, it, par it partners. <laughs> he rides it to work and then it sits next to him at the desk. It's a hey, mini pony. He, he yeah, it's Disney. a mini pony. He should be allowed to do that. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, I find a way to mix my passion. You know, John and Glenn, I call them playgrounds, mm -hmm. right? Partners is a playground. We have 400 employees there. They're all my, you know, teammates and we have fun there. And then I come home to the ranch and there's fun here to be had. And so, yeah, it's just one of the playgrounds. Yeah, but I'm going to have to find a way to get a horse into the office. If I'll you have send to figure me a picture out. of yeah. you on horseback in your boardroom or something, you're my new hero. That's, I mean, you're already a hero, <laughs> but that puts you at the top. <laughs> We'll probably have to kind of not push it that far. Know. I yeah, think I'd like yeah. to see it. And, and I'm sure the board would enjoy it. I just think that's a, that, that, you know what, that should be your picture. You know how, like when you retire, they always hang the CEO's picture on the wall somewhere. That one should be yours. Don't get one of these paintings. You want yourself on a horse right there in the boardroom with a big old white hat. That's what I'd like to see. Riding off into the sunset, leave my spurs hanging on the go. edge that's of the how desk. You do it. Yeah. It's like wrestling. You leave your shoes in yeah. the corner. So when you retire. <laughs> Well, speak, speaking of dreams like that, going the other way, I'm just, uh, John and I had been talking about this recently, John, what, uh, what kind of things keep you awake at night as a credit union executive? I mean, what, what are the things that you find the most concerning that, you know, when, when you wake up at 3am and can't get back to sleep, what's the, what, what are the ones that are kind of just, you know, tossing around in your head? Oh gosh, you know, there's the usual suspects, you know, a data breach, certainly. Um, yeah, I hate to even say it out loud, but active shooter. Mm -hmm. um, is another one. But, you know, the ones that I think we really need to be mindful of and that I think about um, is so in order to execute my strategy, I need partnerships. My partnerships are largely now technology companies because I believe we are becoming technology companies that deliver financial services. So um, in my portfolio in any, you know, one year or cycle, I may have two or three I call change their DNA. They've been acquired or they, they just fundamentally are going in a different place. And uh, so for me, that's a lot of disruption in executing our strategy. So that would be one. But the one, Glenn, that's the highest on my mind is our culture. Um, and culture for me is, you know, it's how we get things done around here. But what drives culture is your beliefs and assumptions about how you think things are. And the number one thing that keeps me up at night is that our employees believe that we can compete and beat the big guys. Wells, Chase you know, uh, and that we can do it and that every day we're getting more insight about it. And they believe that we're going to do that. And they believe our members should come to partners because it's the best choice. So that's the number one thing that I think about is just the beliefs and assumptions of, that drive our culture. What do you think has to happen to just get a little more, uh, you know, 
track under your feet that uh, shows that you've uh, done it with this new agile philosophy? What, what do you think the, is the next step to make, making sure people have that level of confidence? Yeah, well, I think it, it's exactly that. I mean, it is it is training up folks. It's, you know, us talking to one another with great feedback loops saying, hey, do you see this thorny problem? Yep. What do we want to do about it? And believing that we can and that, you know, the portfolio of issues coming our way are going to keep changing. And uh, we get our shoulders down and almost just say, hey, bring it. There's no other team out here who can handle transformation and thorny problems like we can. We believe that. And so um, that, I think that's it. Yeah, it's just kind of an attitude, you know. And when you mentioned at the very beginning, when we talked about the, you know, your, your member base and, you know, I, you know, I think when I think of Disney, I think of the people working at the park, but I, I kind of forget about, you know, the Pixar and whatnot. You got the really heavy, you know, programming tech type, the, the folks like that. Are you seeing in terms of the adoption and where your new uh, efforts are really making a mark? Does it tend to be with the people who are, you know, the younger tech savvy ones or is it the broader base? Any, any kind of sense demographically of where you're making the most inroads? Yeah, so we're a low-income designation credit union, um, so that that helps to kind of describe, you know, kind of in bulk who we are. Um, but I don't like really thinking about managing us like at the averages, you know. So you have 180,000 employees working stateside. A lot of those are going to be folks working in hourly or beginning, you know, positions like working in the hotels or the resorts and just sheer numbers. The sheer, yeah, the sheer numbers of the yeah the folks on the ground exactly. Yeah, but in every day we can see in market areas like Burbank where the studios are at, where the professionals are at, where the creatives are at. Um, our, our penetration there, Glenn, was um, um, Glenn was probably around, um, let me see, about 18% going back 12 years ago. And now it's one and two. Wow. So that, that we, are, we are, they're growing, we're growing, but we're picking up, you know, more and more penetration. And that's true in every market area. Um, we're over 50% in all, all of our major market areas which is huge for us. It's a, it's a big jump from yeah, what we've been. And at the same time, a lot of the solutions that are in place now that uh, people are starting to roll out obviously play to those of uh, the lower income segment too, the hourly employees, as you say. And yeah. The same way well, you that's, Yeah. 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 I, and I, you and John would probably tell me more about this, but when you're thinking, you know, digital and these new offerings, don't, you know, put the bias that it's just the millennials that want it. Um, we're learning it's kind of across the board. There's early adopters at every age group and there's high users at every age group. And so we're trying really hard not to kind of have yeah. that bias, you know, put it out there. And if it's good, it'll we're be adopted. That voice. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, oh, absolutely. Are you voices, yeah. voices uh, it's across the board and has a big play with seniors. You know, I, I keep saying it's a joke I use a lot, but if it, if Alexa would go to the bathroom for my mom, I don't think she'd ever get up again. Uh, you know, it tells her <laughs> jokes, it'll turn off and on lights. If it would bring food and go to the bathroom, I think she's ready, which is really kind of Harry Clore and what we're working on there with Beyond Imagination, which is the whole avatar thing, which, but, you know, I want to come back around and just, uh, you know, I know you're a super busy guy, but you're always so eloquent and so well-spoken and so excited. I have, I'm like excited for partners right now. I just want to run down the partners and go, woo, we did it. Um, it's just, uh, <laughs> I just feel that energy and, and I love it. Uh, so thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on the show to update us. We will have links to your podcast. We'll have links to Constellations, your new book. Uh, we'll have links to uh, your horses, if we can find them. Uh, we'll have links to the new documentary, uh, which I, I encourage everyone to watch. It is, it is it, one, it's super eye-opening. But two, if you want to change your culture, looking at a culture going through that process that's, that's succeeding is super valuable. So, hey, John, if someone wants to get in touch with you or just has questions, uh, can they, how can they find you? 
theceocorner.com. Theceocorner.com. Just go in there, hit the contact us, and send you a message directly. Beautiful. Exactly. All right. Hey, Glenn, how can people find you if they think what you're saying is important, like me? Oh, they're not, they're not <laughs> going to do that. But if they, want to, if they want to, they can find me on Twitter at 154 Advisors. You can find me at JB Fintech. John, such a pleasure. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Glenn, thank you so much. Uh, I'll get this out. And uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks, John. Thanks, Glenn. All right. Take care. Got a question or want to join the conversation? We'd love to hear from you. Tweet us at Big Fintech. Email us at info at big-fintech.com or visit our show notes and comments at www.bigfintechmedia.com.